Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Give a big hand to the one and only Dan Weber. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, As I said, last service truly has been that kind of an experience uh, on our end as well. Of uh, man, it just feels like we've never not known you guys. Uh, It's just been such a great, great uh, supernatural transition, connection, uh, feel uh, with the team and, and obviously everyone else as well. And so it's just been a, been a blast. We've, um, man, really loving it. So good. So thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, we're going uh, we're gonna to dive into some stuff tonight. We're going to talk about, oh, that is the most amazing Oh, darn. <laughs> I thought it was going to be zero. I was like, yeah, that's great. It says zero. I can go as long as I want. <laughs> Good. So we're going to have some, uh, we're gonna have some fun tonight. I'm excited um, about uh, sharing with you guys. Uh, I, you know, how many of you figured out in our culture, um, a lot of times things can be very conceptual? Has anybody noticed that? Yeah, no, not sure. Are you not sure? You know, we, you, we'll talk about things, we'll talk about big concepts, big ideas, we'll dream a little bit, kind of a lot of vision stuff even, and, you know, make cruel statements like, on earth as it is in heaven, and amen, and, but we never really stop to ask, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, sounds good, what does that mean? Well, one of those things we talk about a lot, and has been talked about a lot, is the word family. Has anybody noticed? Family's a big topic, it's a big um, uh, season that we're in. But, uh, you know, again, have we really stopped to ask, what what does it mean? Like, what does it actually look like? How does this work out in our daily lives, right? Anybody, or is it just me? Good, couple, you, you and me, we're asking the question. So... So what I want to do tonight is kind of, obviously, this is a very big topic. It's a very, uh, you know, large thing to unpack. It's, uh, you know, it's the context in which God wants to pour out his new wine. It's the, it's the context in which he addresses us as the body, is in his family. And so this is a very large thing. So I'm not going to uh, do, you know, probably any justice to the, the capacity that it is. But what I'd like to do is just unpack a couple real practical tools for us to learn how to practice family. Because family, doing family is a choice. And, and it's going to require us to actually practice it in order to become, uh, become it, if you will. Does that make sense? So we're going to kind of unpack some stuff and um, make it a little bit practical. Um, see, a few things I want to kind of preface is... a couple definitions so that we're on the same page when we're talking about things. Um, Another word we use a lot is community. The word community means a group of people who live in the same area or a group of people that have similar interests. So we would be a community, yeah? 
uh, except for those that don't live, most of us don't live in the same area. <laughs> but we have the same interest, right? In the same area, I guess, if you looked at regionally as the city uh, of Atlanta, but this would be a community, if you will. Now, sometimes we interchangeably use the terms community and family, but uh, I don't think it's fair to do that because family means something a little bit different. Um, in a, just a traditional definition of the word family, it's a group of people who are related. Are we related? We are, aren't we? We're related in the spirit, aren't we? We're brothers and sisters who have the same dad, right? Okay, just make sure we're on the same page. <clears throat> so um, another thing that I've noticed about family that's a little bit different than uh, community is, have you noticed, you know, we just had Thanksgiving, you spent a bunch of time with a bunch of people that you know and that know you. If you notice that when you have family, biological family, you've known them a long time. And they've known you a long time. And they've known your ups, and they've known your downs. They've known your goods, they've known your bads. And they've known your mistakes and failures, and they've known your successes, and yet you're still family. And that doesn't change. So when we start unpacking a little bit of what we're talking about, you know, Leif recently said that the next move of God was going to be one of family. This is kind of an important topic of us really learning how to become a family because God wants to do something really amazing in the midst of his family. And we're going to have to actually practice and become and walk out what's been called on us for that to happen, to make room for that new wine to flow, if you will. Does that make sense? So, um, <clears throat> what it will require is w- for people to know us and us to know people, we'll actually have to let people get to know us. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. I don't feel good about that. It will also require us to get to know people, which is going to require more than a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or even a Wednesday night. It actually was going to require more, I mean, people can do, you know, come into our environment, do a school of ministry, one, two, three, four years, you know, back home, we've seen people be in our environment for a long time. And you, it, it's, it, it doesn't happen by osmosis. Like, family requires a choice to actually let people in. To, you could be in it, but not let people in. So you might, you could, you could spend time which is great, it's a great avenue for us to begin to develop those relationships, but if we don't actually make the choice to let people in and us to dive into other people, those relationships won't become any deeper. Does that make sense? So we can stay at a community level if that, make, if, if you under, if that makes sense. Should I say that one more time? Does that make sense? <laughs> so, that make, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Is that helpful, Rachel? <laughs> so... It will require us to go to a little bit more depth. Now, understand as we begin to uh, unpack this, like three, four, five, six, seven hundred of us are not going to really create family. I'm not going to let, you know, 500 people into my depths. Like that's not how it's going to work. But in the midst of us all practicing it, we would all have people we're doing that with. Does that make sense? Should I say, I'm going to go... You gotta stop doing that. That's helpful. Thanks. So, uh, 
you know, Candace was here recently, Candace Johnson, and she said, we were talking about, you know, how you develop community with a, uh, a deeper level of community with, you know, a larger church. And, and she said, oh, we asked this one question that we go, we want everyone in the church to have an answer to this one question. Who are you doing life with? Which was a great eye-opener because I thought, oh, okay, that, that makes it a little bit more accessible that, oh, we can actually choose to do life and open up and have deeper relationships with a handful of people uh, without having that you know, expectation and requirement on everyone in the room here. Because that is just not going to happen. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Thank you. So helpful. So as we're unpacking, we're gonna, I'm just going to like barely scratch the surface. We're not going to get into the depths of how to develop community, develop family, develop those you know, deep relationships. We're going to kind of just scratch the surface of like, here's a couple practical tools that can really empower us and change uh, uh, how we begin to walk out uh, a family dynamic and probably help us with our expectations of what that's going to look like too. Good. All right, so let's, let's, uh, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about love. <laughs> you guys are singing it. <clears throat> so the kingdom family is really practical. It's a series of choices that we get to make. And a handful of components in these the choices that we uh, need to make would be love, honor, Rock it. Let's do it. <laughs> a handful of components that we're going to need to make choices on is love, honor, humility, forgiveness, trust, vulnerability. We're not going to get into all of these, thankfully, tonight. But these are a handful of things that like, are going to require, the, and they're all choices that we're actually empowered to make. Uh, the fun thing about making choices like these is it's not a to-do list of things you have to do because it's already who he's made you to be. Okay, right? Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And in Christ, you are already loving and honoring, forgiving, have the ability to trust. Like all that stuff is already in you. Uh, and available, and, and with that comes the grace to become it. So it's not a checklist of to-dos that I have to try to muster up to become. Does that make sense? It's actually who you already are. We make a choice according to him, co-labor with him, with the grace, and then we walk out what he has already called us to be. Good? So I want you to feel empowered. I don't want you to feel um, uh, discouraged. So, Love. Love is not necessarily um, this mystical feeling out there in cosmic space that you fall in and out of, and you can happen to have it for some, and you happen to not have it for others. Uh, I know that's probably a uh, very um, common thought, but it's not that at all. In fact, if we read uh, some of the definition of love in Corinthians 13, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It does not brag, and it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. 
It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. We all know that, right? Did you notice that every single one of those was a verb? Everyone was an action, was a choice. It's something you choose to do. It's not this kind of cosmic thing that's out there somewhere. Um, my, uh, my, kind of my first real like eye-opening connection with what love looks like was with my wife. Um, you know, we were married, uh, well, we are still married. <laughs> we were and are <clears throat> and will be. And so I don't know how many years into us being married this happened. Oh, I guess it's been, I guess it was maybe eight, 10 years. I think about it. Um, and there was, there was some, oh, I got an invite to, to do this trip to, a uh, ministry trip to Australia. And it was going to be for like six weeks. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, two weeks is, three weeks is tough. Six weeks. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And she was just championing me. No, it's going to be amazing. You should do it. You were born for this. You, you know, this is uh, going to be great. Da, da, da. And she kind of just believing in me and, and like, like cheering me on. Like I'm thinking, but this is going to mean like you're home with the kids alone for six weeks. Like this probably isn't going to be a very fun experience for you. And, uh, and it didn't change though. She still believed in me, hoped in me, encouraged me. And I, oh, oh, this is, this is what that looks like. It's unconditional. It's, it's not on the condition of, I'm going to believe in you as long as you X, Y, Z. And so I started like seeing and, 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 and having this experience of, oh, this is, this is actually a real tangible thing. Like it's accessible. We can actually choose to love people. And they don't, they actually, they, nobody can really say anything else about it. Because it's our choice to do it. Isn't that interesting? See, God the Father loves us, and he loves us in such a way that no matter where our ups and our downs, our behaviors, our uh, failures, our successes, nothing, nothing, nothing can determine how he loves us. It's not conditional. It's not based on our performance. It's not based, based on our good decisions. It's not, you can't get him to love you more. You can't get him to love you less, no matter how hard you try. And he's made us just like him. In the likeness of, in his image, we've been made. So you look just like your daddy. In fact, you act like him too. So it's more than, a, a, uh, uh, we're more than capable and able to become love like this. You know, what, it, you know what wasn't in there in that description of love? It didn't say that love was enabling. It didn't say that love was agreement. It didn't say that love was condoning. <clears throat> and we know that with our head, but you know, you realize when you think, oh, I have to believe in people and champion people and, and, and be their biggest fan, but what if they think I'm, I'm agreeing with their lifestyle? What if, these, what if it sends a message that I'm condoning what they're doing is okay? Because we often think that's what happens. But that's not the definition of love. We got that flawed somewhere. Somewhere we thought love, 
love meant I need to tell you how to fix your life. Because God sent you into my life for such a time as this. That I could lead you into a holiness. <laughs> nope. No, I think you're pretty sure he said just love people. Our, our call is to love. Could you imagine if we became a people that were the biggest fans of everybody we met? And championed them and cheered them on. Encouraged them. Wept with them if they needed to be wept with. Lifted them up if they needed to be lifted up. Bared all things, endured all things. Could you imagine a people like that? Counts, was it counts no, what is it? Uh, has no record of wrongs. What, you know, what are we going to need to be able to do if we're going to have no record of wrongs? Oh, we're going to actually have to forgive people. Shoot, well, then I need a revelation of what that looks like because, man, I don't ever feel like I've forgiven anybody, but I'm going to keep declaring I've forgiven, but I just don't want to be around them. <clears throat> you know, in, in Corinthians, uh, since we're reading that anyway, 5.17, it says... Therefore, uh, in 16, therefore now we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ this way, yet we now know him this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How? Not counting their trespasses against them. Do you know what it means to forgive? not counting their trespasses against them. You think it'd be possible that we could actually not count someone's trespasses against them? Well, you know God does that with us. He actually doesn't count it against us. In fact, he's being hung on the cross and in the midst of him being hung on the cross, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, what, what, and how is that even possible? Well, he has the ability and we also have the ability to see people after how he made them, not after their behaviors and choices. Which is going to lead us into the next thing, which is we actually have to become a people of honor. But forgiveness is going to be this massive key in really choosing to champion people. Realize, did you know people are going to make mistakes? Are you guys, you guys aware, right? You know we're going to make mistakes? Aren't you hoping the people around you would not count it against you and that they would know your heart and know it actually wasn't your intention? That you were trying to grow as well? Wouldn't that be great if people could see you like that? So, so is it too much for us to ask that we would do the same to others? That we would say, ah, oh, you know what? It sure felt like they were trying to do that on purpose. But, I know it wasn't how they were made. God didn't make them that way. And I will choose to believe in them anyway. I will choose to be their biggest fan. Oh, it sounds like we're agreeing and we're with them and we're siding with them. Nope. You know, where the tension lies is that a lot of times we're just trying to correct people and get people fixed. And we feel like we have that role to do that. And I'll just give you a real quick little key. If you don't have influence or enough relationship 
uh, to tug on and to do that with somebody, just don't. It's real simple. Because we really only can do that with the people we have the influence to do that with. And if we don't have that, man, just love them. (laughs) Just be their fan. Just champion them. Just believe in them. Just endure with them. Walk side by side with them. You have a saying that says love always wins. And, And this is how. And I've seen it happen where we just choose to love somebody before, you know, connect with them before giving them the content on how to fix their life but actually just choosing to love them and walk with them and seeing people with even social disorders and and different things actually come through a season of healing just because love conquered. There was no like, you need to fix your life or here's the X, Y, Z plan on how to stop sinning. It was just, no, we're gonna actually still be beside you and believe in you and, and give you a shoulder and walk with you in the midst of a hard season and watch love actually bring them through healing. You know, we have a saying that says that people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, another uh, saying Dan Fairley has said is it's connection before content. We got a crazy kind of a season in society where we have a platform to always give an opinion. Really, we just need to give our heart. Really, people just want to be loved, and I think we all do too. And if we had an environment where we're going to make choices to go, you know what, I'm just going to be the fan of the people around us, around me, and, and believe in them and hope for them when they don't have enough hope for themselves. Believe in them when they don't even believe in themselves. Watch what changes. Watch what happens. And not even for the intention and the motivation to change something other than just being who we've been made to be. All that stuff of people getting corrected and, and getting stuff figured out, that'll all happen. God's a big God. And there's, if, if we unpacked how this all fits and functions as a family dynamic, there are keys for how that to take place. But this is not one of them. This is just simply the very scratching of the surface of we just get to become a loving people that are the biggest fans of the people around us, Yeah. And then secondly is honor, so that we would become a people of honor. And I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because, you know, we've talked about honor. Honor is a big topic in our culture. I mean, we've been talking about it for a lot of years. And and I know, you know, we know Danny's definition, which is, uh, you know, that we would uh, see someone for who they are without stumbling over who they're not, Right. That, and then Paul uh, Manwaring says that we would, it would be, it's the correct recognition of the glory of God in another. And I, I love those definitions because it allows us to, to kind of come alongside that verse in Corinthians where it says that you know, we're a new creation, the old is gone, that I, I'm able to actually see someone after how they've been made, not get caught up over how they're not made. So people making poor choices weren't made to be that way. They were, made to be in the, they were made in the image of their likeness of their father. And if I'm able to see them after the spirit, we knew Christ after the flesh, but we know him this way no longer. If I'm able to see people after the spirit, then I'd be able to truly value and, and see how they have been made and without getting caught up over their behaviors and failures. Yeah? Which is, which is great. Now, one thing, I, a little thing I added on was what if we could move that a, a step forward, make it a little bit more proactive and see people after how they've been made, not get caught up over who they're not and treat them accordingly. 
What if we could treat people according to the way God sees them and the way they are after the Spirit? Wouldn't that be something? So a practical example of this happened with me. Um, You know, we, um, uh, Justin and I have been doing ministry with a church in Australia for about five or six years. And um, one of the years I was there, well, shoot, it happened straight away. I just started realizing there was like, people were pulling stuff out of me that I didn't even know was in there. And I started realizing what honor looks like. And it looks like, the only way I can explain is it looks like someone uh, bringing, seeing a well, seeing a well in somebody, and then bringing their bucket to the well and drawing from that well what they see in it. And when that started happening, people were drawing stuff out of me. And it was like the stuff that was coming out, I started actually behaving like it. I started responding to the draw. And this was fascinating to me because I was like what we call bucket culture. It was like, bring your bucket to the well. Find the well around you, bring your bucket and draw from it. And what's fascinating is because what, what takes place is as, as I start behaving according to what people see inside of me, I start showing up. Oh. In Ephesians, 414, it says, um, let's just start with 15 or 14. As a result, no longer to be, uh, where's that? Oh, 16. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, in turn causing it the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, what's fascinating to me is that when we begin to start doing this and drawing, you know, people bringing their bucket to the well and, the, and start pulling stuff out, and then I start behaving like it and start showing up in what they see that's in me, they're seeing the glory of the Lord in me, aren't they? This is I recognize, the correct recognition of the glory of God in another. Seeing the glory, seeing the, the goodness, seeing the calling, seeing the anointing, seeing the gifting, and we get to do this with everybody. And then reaching in and drawing it out as a result, we start showing up accordingly. So we start actually behaving like the body. That every joint, the body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, every single one of us brings a different thing, a different facet of the glory of the Lord to the table. And some of us will bring, you know, different giftings and talents and strengths and uh, passions, but uh, even callings and anointings. And when I start seeing that on you and start drawing that out of you, you start showing up and becoming and you become what I need. In fact, I wouldn't bring my bucket if I didn't need you, but if I need you, that's gonna require some humility. Oh, Humility is going to be necessary for us to do this because humility always recognizes itself in need. I'm in, I'm in need. It's the poor in spirit. It's the, I'm always in need of the Father. I'm always in need of, of what you bring to the table. I'm always in need. I, we all need to grow and we need the people around us to do that. I need what you bring to the table. One of my favorite things in teaching in the school is having Mary Lovell in class, my goodness, she's so amazing. <clears throat> she knows how to bring her bucket so well. And vice versa, we're in a fire tunnel line. I'm, you, ma'am, put your hand on my head. I want what you can. Because I will bring my bucket any day of the week. 
for what she carries. But you see, for us to have this culture, we must recognize that we're all in need and we're all in need of one another. And in fact, if you wait till the person next to you shows up before you bring your bucket, you might be waiting a while because you bringing your bucket might be what causes them to show up. Like this, this is big, but it requires us to walk in a place of humility, of teachability, of in, we, we, we get to grow from each other. I can always recognize it when I'm, I could be praying for somebody in line and, and, and they're sharing something and I recognize the word of the Lord. I'm like, oh, I need this. This is for me. <laughs> I'm here to pray for you, but I'm receiving right now because I'm recognizing the Lord's on something. Like this is a normal way of life. If we're gonna practice family, if we're gonna actually start like putting this to work, these first keys that we would be this people of, uh, of love that are the biggest fans of the people around us, championing the people around us, and even the people we meet in, in the grocery stores, that we just are the fans of people, and that we would be these people of, which is going to require us to not count people's trespasses against them. We'll have to be a people of forgiveness as well, right? And then walk in this culture of honor that we've been talking about, but we can call it a bucket culture, where, man, I, get, I got my bucket and I get to bring it to the buckets of the, uh, the wells that are around me and draw from them and see what happens. See who shows up. One really cool thing about the culture, developing this kind of a culture where we're seeing people after how they're made, their giftings, their talents, their callings, their anointings, is when I start seeing you after the spirit and after how you've been made, I'm not expecting you to be something you're not. And the reason why this is really important is because when I'm expecting you to be uh, like me, what's going to happen? I'm going to get disappointed because you're not like me. Darn, if I just had a team of people that were like me, man, we could really get some stuff done. I don't know if anybody would be with us, but we'd be getting some stuff done. <laughs> like, there's such an absolute need for us for each other. I need you and your strengths because they cover my weaknesses. And when I can start seeing you like that, it, remo- it begins to start removing this expectation of you. Maybe not, I'm not expecting you to be like me. Maybe I'm expecting you to, you know, be like I think you should be. And gosh darn it, you're not. You're not doing what I think you should do. You're not behaving like I think you should behave, and you're not leading like I think you should lead. You know, we start having these expectations, and they always lead to disappointment. Disappointment always leads to broken trust, and broken trust leads to hurt. And now we're upset, everyone around us, and it's everyone else's fault. (laughs) Are we ringing any bells yet? (laughs) I'm speaking about it because I've lived it. And consciously have to make choices not to live it again. It's a day-to-day thing to go, oh, I can't expect. I mean, one of my leaders back home, a dear friend and amazing leader, I've spent a lot of years expecting him to lead a certain way and then realized, oh, he's never going to lead like that. And if I have that expectation, I'm setting him up for failure. And he has no clue this is even going on. (laughs) When I started seeing him after how he was made, oh, my goodness. And bring my bucket to that, oh, changed everything. (laughs) 
we have a real treat, like a real honor that the Lord would even entrust with us. I want to do something in the midst of family, but he's actually empowered us to create it. He would entrust us this ability to create this family dynamic, seeing each other after how we've been made, choosing to be for each other. And, this, and it's not easy. There might be grace for us to do it, but it doesn't mean it's always easy. Sometimes I really don't want to be for you. I don't like anything that you're doing. And it's really in my space and doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> I'm filtering. <laughs> right? When it gets practical, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But no, you've been given the grace and the ability to walk it out but it doesn't necessarily make it easy. When we begin to... Um, when we begin to practice this culture of honor and, and culture of love and you know, we, we begin to contribute to the, the growth of the body. It's actually part of our responsibility, you know, in recognizing the anointing that's on you and then treating you that way and then drawing that from you uh, and seeing, seeing you come up to the surface, if you will. Um, you know, that's a, what an honor that we would get to contribute to the growth of the body of Christ, growing up together to becoming who we've been called to be, the bride. What an honor that we would have that responsibility, that he would entrust us with that, but that we would have that opportunity. How you guys doing? <clears throat> you guys all right? Yeah, I mean, we're, and we're just scratching the surface. Like, we can begin to unpack a lot of details. Okay, well, wait a minute. What about when people, you know, need correction and they need to grow and, you know, they really need to stop making poor choices? Like, yeah, that's all. That all needs to happen, too. We're not creating an environment where it's like, oh, man, you just get to love somebody and, and anything goes. No, there's, as we move along and unpack what this looks like, there's practical elements to, to that stuff, not being okay and, and how it's handled. But like I said, if we don't have that place of influence to even pull somebody in that lead of correction, man, just, we just get to believe in people. We get to be their biggest fans. We get to see them how God has made them. And that might require us maybe to get a prophetic word. Because man, all I can see is they're blowing it. <laughs> we might, Papa, help me see. I mean, that's what's nice about the prophetic culture. It's a culture where the way of life is that we see, we can hear the Lord and see how he sees. Is this encouraging? Is it challenging? So people of honor, I'm sorry, a people of love, that we would be the biggest fans of the people around us, the people of honor, that we would choose to uh, uh, see people how he sees them, not getting caught up in their behaviors and their choices, but really seeing them and treating them accordingly. The act of humility in that, recognizing that I need 
the people around me and I'll bring my bucket. The, the, the acts of forgiveness, of walking that out, of not counting the trespasses against him. How? Because they weren't made that way. They were made in the likeness and image of the Father. We, can, we could actually do this. And again, the encouraging thing is that with this truth comes the grace to become who he says you already are, which is a people of forgiveness, people of love, people of honor, people of humility. This is all part of just our identity in Christ. But they are conscious choices that we have to make so that we can actually become who we are. And I think, um, you know, in the midst of this family conversation, we, you know, we've had a swing of the pendulum where we've been really about destiny and, and, and going after what we've been made for and the purpose that I have and on the earth. And, and I know we've heard, you know, messages that talks about your destinies found in your family. And, and, uh, and it's almost like we're now starting to develop this family dynamic and, and then, and realizing like, if, if you're in a group of people that are calling stuff out of you that you don't know are in there, when you start showing up and behaving accordingly, you're finding destiny. But how was it found? With the family around you, the people that you let to get to know you. Like that's foreign a little bit in terms of what we've kind of been doing, which is going after this. My destiny is, you know, these prophetic words that I've got to war with and, and this is what's been called on me and so I'm going to go do it. And that's great, and all that stuff will happen because God's good to his word, but it's going to happen in the context of family, health, in a healthily way. In fact, in the context of family, you might find stuff that you didn't even know existed. I can't tell you how many times that's happened with me and leaders and, uh, you know, fathers in my life that have said, ah, you know, I, I see this in you, why don't you try this? And I'm like, huh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but they saw something, they saw gold not only treated me, but even empowered me accordingly. And I could be, you know, the guys, you know, whatever, I'm just here to serve you and just kind of do what you want me to do, not realizing, no, he's actually a really good father that has a bigger vision for me than I do. And he's seeing it and empowering me, and as a result, time and time again, I'm telling you, testimonially, that's a word, I made one. Time and time again, I've said yes and walked into something that was my destiny that I had no clue was even in there, but somebody around me saw it. This is the glory we get to walk in. And so I would say, I would say probably the uh, 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 focus and the focal point and the attention would be less on how you're going to achieve your destiny and more on who are you going to do life with? Who are you going to run with? And that sounds really hard to stomach a little bit because you think, man, I've got a great call in my life. I've got purpose. I've got things I'm doing. We're going after stuff. I promise you, <laughs> choosing and making it more of a point to develop the relationships and intimacy with the people around you is going to actually cause you to become what you think or what you see yourself doing. And when you start actually practicing and walking out and pursuing to develop what's in here, 
the natural byproduct is you become the word. You don't perform the word. And you're normal inside that you've been developing and growing and by letting people in to cultivate, see, pull out, empower, that by you developing that, that normal actually becomes the life-changing agent, the world-changing agent more than holding the microphone doing X, Y, Z or going to this school and becoming a lawyer or whatever the what that you saw because when you have it here, you're the natural byproduct as the world around you changes. And I know that's hard to grasp and kind of get your head around, but I've seen it time and time again where my normal insides actually like reverber- send reverberations into the natural realm where people's normal gets rocked and shattered by what's normal for me and without even trying. I mean, without even trying. Like, you don't have to strategize on how to bring the kingdom to earth when you've stewarded it and cultivated it in you. And it starts with family. It starts with relationships. It starts with choosing to love. It starts with choosing to see people. It starts these fundamental core elements of our being and who we are in Christ. These very foundational. This is so one-on-one. But we, we get caught up in all this and not wanting to really get to this. And this is what causes that to come to pass. Yeah? So, man, let's become the biggest fans of the people around us. Step one, just, just believe in people, hope for people, endure for people, give them a shoulder to cry on if they need a shoulder to cry on, love them, comfort them, be the biggest champions of the people around us. Secondly, Man, learn, let's just learn to see. Let's learn to carry our buckets to the wells around us and see what the well is. Draw from them. Treat them accordingly. If you see an anointing on them and their character shot, say, I want an impartation of the anointing that's on you. I don't care about your character because I see the glory of the Lord in you. Ah, I don't know about that. What if we did? What if we started treating people how he sees them? We might fix a lot of stuff that we're trying to fix with words. We would become this bucket culture where we bring the buckets. We recognize the wells around us, all of them. And we bring our buckets to them. We draw for them. That sound good? A couple real easy steps. I mean, that's stuff we can all do. In fact, I could hear it in the room. You're already seeing the people you can do it with. <laughs> good. Why don't you guys stand? We just pray for you. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for, uh, Papa, what you're doing in the hearts of uh, not just us as people, but what you're doing in the heart of Bethel Atlanta, what you're doing in our, our family, what you're developing and growing and, 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 and causing and, bro- and blowing on to see us begin to carry out in the, in the region and in the globe. Lord, and it's an honor, it's a humbling honor that we would even get to be a part of this process, that we would be the ones that you've said, come, let us gather and let me blow and pour out my wine that the earth would be changed. Lord, what an honor that we would get to be the ones to bring our buckets to these wells and draw people and things to the surface that, man, some of us don't even know exist in there. 
Lord, I just bless everything you're doing in our hearts, Lord, and, and ask that you just continue to uh, just, yeah, develop this and mold us over throughout the week, Lord, as, bringing, as you're bringing names and faces to our mind, Lord, that there would, we just release a grace hmm, and a peace hmm, to carry out and walk out and make really good choices, even if they're hard according to who we've been made to be. Lord, we just love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen? Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.